We've kicked off 2021 by going through this series called Circle Maker, which has been all about your prayer life and taking that next step in your prayer life. So maybe that was what prayer looked like to you six weeks ago. I hope that you are engaging and growing in your relationship with God over these last six weeks and realizing that, man, prayer is a conversation between me and God. It's a moment where I can connect with Jesus. And at the end of the day, we've been challenging you to dream big, to circle God's promises for your life. When he says, I am with you, I fight for you, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you, cast your burden on me, I will carry that burden for you. These are promises that God makes to us that we can circle. We can take those promises to the bank because he is faithful. He's the God who provides. He's the God who heals. He is with us. So when we talk about dreaming big, we are circling God's promises for our lives and realizing that I can become who it is that he's calling me to be. And I can live into that dream that he has for my life. Secondly, we've talked about the idea of praying hard. This is all about persistency. This is the concept of ask, seek, knock. Keep presenting your requests to God. He will give you an answer. Sometimes it's on his time frame. Sometimes it's not the answer you want to hear. But God will answer your prayer. And if you draw close to him, that's another promise, he will draw close to you. So be persistent in your prayers and your time talking with Jesus. Well, we've also talked about the concept of thinking long. And that's praying legacy prayers. That's being willing to think uh, so far ahead that you're praying prayers that you will not live to see the answers to. Praying for God's blessing and favor on your children, on your grandchildren, for generations to come. These are prayers that I believe have ripple effects all throughout eternity. And when you begin to realize that your prayers will have impact in eternity for longer than you live and, and, and breathe, that makes you think a little bit differently about the prayers that you are praying, the eternal impact that your prayer life can have. It's an inheritance that we leave behind. It is a legacy of prayer that we are all able to speak into in our lives. So that's the concept of thinking long. Well, today we're, we're taking it to the next level. It's, it's the highest level, I would contend, of our prayer lives, and it's not really flashy, or it's like, oh, that sounds amazing. The reality is that it's all about fasting, all right? Everybody say fasting. One, two, three. That's what I'm talking about. And you're like, what is fasting? You're like, yeah, I got pulled over for that once. I was fasting in a 35 mile an hour. But no, 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 that's not what we're talking about. That's speeding. Fasting is a completely different thing. Fasting is when I am willing to give up something. Specifically, in this case, it would be food. I'm willing to give up food for a, a, a set amount of time, usually like 24 hours. Why do I do that? Because it's like the newest fad diet? No, no, even though you probably will lose a couple pounds. Uh, that's not why you fast. The whole point of fasting is it's, it's me surrendering. It's me giving up something that is important to me, actually necessary for me. And the realization is that every time that I think about that thing that I'm giving up, I replace that thing with Jesus, with presenting my requests to him, with seeking his face. So specifically, when we talk about past, uh, fasting, when I, when I surrender this idea of, of eating food for a day, that means that when that first moment comes when I go to open the fridge and I go, okay, what is it to eat? And you realize, oh, I'm, I'm not eating today. I'm giving this time to God. That's, that's seeking God's face in that moment. When it's time to eat lunch, you take those 30 minutes, and instead of eating, you have time with Jesus. 
as your stomach begins to grumble and rumble at you throughout the evening, those are the reminders that I need to seek God's face. And this is a spiritual discipline that it's not exciting. It's not like, oh, that sounds awesome. Yeah, let's do that three times this week. No, it's not something that comes naturally. It's not something that we usually get excited about. And yet, this is a spiritual discipline that I would contend with you today would take your prayer life, your relationship with Jesus to the next level. And so I want to dive into this and talk about this today because it's really important that we do so. I love what Jesus said in Matthew 5, verse 6. This is his Sermon on the Mount. This is the Beatitudes, and, and this is something that Jesus says. He says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. There's a powerful concept there, that idea of hungering and thirsting for righteousness. That's me hungering more than anything else to be like Jesus, to become who it is that he wants me to be. Hungering and thirsting for righteousness. Making that the number one desire of my life. And what an amazing concept that, that Jesus presents there. He's saying if we make that the number one priority of our lives, when I hunger and when I thirst for righteousness, for the things of Jesus, I'm going to be filled. God meets me where I'm at and he draws me closer to him. You will be filled when that is what you hunger for. And if we're being fair, when we hunger for the things of this world, man, the world always overpromises and underdelivers. It never satisfies. So the more you chase after the things of this world, the deeper down into the rabbit hole you go. And yet, when I hunger and thirst for the things of God, that's where I experience the fullness of his presence in my life. I can walk in joy in hope, in peace, in his love, knowing that I'm right where he wants me to be. And there's nothing better than that. And I want to challenge you today as we dive in to think about what that looks like in your life. What are you hungry for? Are you hungry for the things of God? Do you want to become who it is he's called you to be? Do you want to live that life to the fullest that he, ex he has created you for? Because that's what this is about. And it's the, the cherry on top of, of the prayer life that he's called you to. I mean, We've been talking about prayer for the last five weeks. This is the last week of this series. And, you know, shame on us if we would walk through a prayer series and not actually commit to praying, right? Like we talk about prayer a lot, but we didn't actually pray. I am so incredibly proud of this church family. You guys, we have hundreds and hundreds of people who signed up and, and went through our 21-day prayer challenge. We have celebrated amazing answers to prayer throughout the last three weeks. We've had all kinds of people come out of the woodwork and say, you would not believe how God answered this prayer in my life. And there's moments of celebration. I mean, God has been moving. God has been working. We had two uh, prayer and worship nights over the course of this series uh, right here at our Goshen campus. And the way that the presence of God met us here at these nights was extraordinary. And I just challenge you today that there is power in prayer. When you lean into your relationship with God, spending time with him in prayer, God shows up. And this concept of fasting, it just takes it to the next level, level because it clears the mechanism. It makes me focus on God's voice and his presence in my life. 
And so diving into this concept, I want to talk about three things real quick that fasting is not, all right? Number one, fasting is not common, all right? It's not normal. It's not usual. In fact, in our culture that we find ourselves in today, it would just kind of be considered weird. Like, why would you do that? There's like 17 McDonald's in a two-mile radius here. There's pizza buffets. There's all kinds of, let's eat, you know, that's fantastic. We're all going to be partying the night, watching Tom Brady beat up on the Kansas City Chiefs. It's going to be amazing. And you're going to be eating a bunch of food while you do it, all right? But here's the thing. I didn't hear very many amens on that. I'm very curious as to where your loyalties lie today. Um, but the bottom line is, I mean, it's just, it seems abnormal in the culture that we have when it's all about us. It's all about what's quick, what's easy, you know, what's convenient. It's not common to say, oh, I'm going to deny myself of something and, and just put that off. Instead of focusing on myself, focusing on God and what he wants to speak into my life. It's not common. Because in our culture, it's all about what's in it for me. But I want to challenge you with this statement today. It's our relationship with God becomes shallow when all we focus on are the benefits we get from God. I want you to just consider that statement. Our relationship with God becomes shallow when all we focus on are the benefits we get from God. And listen, make no mistake, when you are walking with God, there are all kinds of benefits that come from that. Not the benefits I think that we hear about a lot, again, in our culture. It's not, you know, just prosperity and wealth and health for you who follow Jesus. That's actually not what Jesus promises us. Honestly, we're, we're promised that in this life we will face trouble. But the beauty in that promise is Jesus says, hey, fear not, don't be troubled. I will overcome all of these problems. I overcome the world. So in Jesus, the benefits that we have from walking with him are the life that is filled with peace that only he gives us. It transcends all understanding. It's joy in any circumstance because I know that I'm right with God. It's hope, not just for today, but for all of eternity because of who Jesus is and what he has done for us. The benefits of walking in his love, knowing that I am dearly and deeply loved by God. You guys, there, there are no greater benefits in life than knowing that your soul is at peace with God. And yet, if all we focus on are the benefits of what's in it for me, my relationship with God becomes shallow. Because the reality is, he's called me to surrender. He's called me to say, God, whatever you want for me, it's yours. And in our, in our society, in our culture, you guys, this, this idea of just looking at the benefits of, of a relationship, what's in it for me, it has ugly side effects. It trickles down into all of our personal relationships with our family, with our friends, with our marriages, with our churches. When all I focus on is what's in it for me, I forget that, man, I was created to love with the love that God has for me. I was created to love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, to love my neighbor as myself, and to love with that same type of love, that selfless, sacrificial Love that serves. That's outward focus. That's not inward focus. That's, that's me saying, how can I love you, not how can you love me. I'm not in that relationship with God for the benefits. It's, it's a two-way relationship. I get the most out of loving God and loving others when I'm all in saying, how can I love you? God, for all that you've done for me, how can I show you how thankful and grateful that I am, how much you mean to me? That's the kind of love, that's the kind of life that God calls us to and it's not common. And when we talk about fasting, that's not a common process. 
not something that we all just wake up in the morning and say, boy, I feel like fasting today. That would be fantastic. No, because it's difficult. And to that point, there's a reality that fasting is not comfortable, all right? It definitely pushes us out of our comfort zones, and it brings us into a little bit of a different reality. Uh, I've been pushed out of my comfort zone specifically with food this week, and I'll tell you why. It has nothing to do with anything spiritual. Last Sunday, we came home. You know what had happened? Our refrigerator kicked the bucket. It was totally dead. We didn't even know it. We opened the freezer and went, ho, 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 that is fantastic. It, you don't want to open your freezer when it was not working and you didn't know. I just want you to know that it's not pleasant, all right? It's just not pleasant at all. And so last Monday evening, our pff, Dana and I, we had a hot date night at Lowe's. It was fantastic. Oh, oh, we picked out a new refrigerator. Happy Valentine's Day, Dana. Uh, Oh, it's so romantic. Uh, Not really. Guys, I would not, uh, don't, don't, don't take your, don't take your wife to Lowe's for Valentine's Day. Don't do that. It's not going to work out well for you. Uh, But the bottom line is, (laughs) this week, my refrigerator's been out of commission. We had to clean it all out, get, you know, to get all this junk out of it, throw it away. And out of habit, Monday and Tuesday, I would just walk by the fridge and I would open the door because, like, I would need a Diet Mountain Dew, right? That's, that's where my stash is. And I open the door, and, oh, it's broke. I don't have my stuff. Well, by Tuesday, Wednesday, when I opened the door, it smelled like someone had, like, deflated an old tractor tire in my refrigerator. When I opened the door, I just went, oh, <laughs> slammed the door. My whole house, is, it smells terrible. I literally have taped the front of my refrigerator shut, like, boys, do not, under any circumstance, open that refrigerator. And it's kind of been a thing all week. We just have it taped shut, and the new refrigerator comes tomorrow. Praise God, I can't wait, uh, because I'm tired of going out into my garage for a gallon of milk. Um, but thank goodness it's eight degrees, so that's fantastic. Um, <laughs> uh, why am I talking about this? Because it's not comfortable. And when we talk about the concept of fasting, the reason that's an important spiritual discipline is that it pushes me out of my comfort zone. And I would contend with you today that outside of your comfort zone is where God does his best work. We are required to, to take risks to take steps of faith toward Jesus. Those are going to happen. There are moments in life where you have to take that step of faith. And it's in those moments where you step outside of your comfort zone that God shows up on the scene. I want you to consider this, this idea. There are things God is calling you to that you cannot experience unless you give up comfort. There are things that God wants you to experience. Life to the full that only happen if you're willing to step out of that comfort zone and give up a little bit of comfort. Things that we are called to that are a little bit difficult. Again, when we talk about spiritual disciplines, those are things that you have to commit to. Those are things that you have to stay focused on. Those are things that you have to work at. Scheduling time in my day to set aside to to talk to God in prayer, to spend time in his word, to draw close to Jesus to use my gifts and abilities to serve the kingdom and advance the good news of Jesus in the lives of the people around me and my community. Those are all spiritual disciplines that God asks us to put into practice. He talks about giving generously, challenges us to to give uh, with generosity and a heart of goodness. Well, that pushes me out of my comfort zone. When the world and cultures tell me it's all for me, gather as much as I can, Jesus is saying, give it away, be generous. Invest in the kingdom. You cannot outgive God. These are all things that push us way out of comfort zones, and yet those are the moments in life where God shows up. Those are the moments where God does extraordinary things. 
So fasting, it doesn't sound like a great time. It's not common. It's not comfortable. And finally, there's this, real, this realization that it's also not even convenient. Like, it's, it, this just stinks. Like, this is not good. I don't think I'm going to enjoy this. And that's the point. When I commit to fasting, it is not convenient. It's not easy. But that's the life that God calls us to. And we can't sugarcoat that because the reality is that in Luke 9, 23, Jesus is so clear with his disciples that there are going to be moments when following Jesus is not going to be convenient. In fact, he went so far as to say, listen, if you're going to be my disciple, it says this in Luke 9, 23, Jesus told his disciples, if you're going to be my disciple, you've got to be willing to deny yourself. It's not about me. It's about you. You're going to have to take up your cross. Well, that doesn't sound great. That's not convenient at all. And you're going to have to follow me daily. This is what Jesus is speaking to his disciples. And when you talk about not being convenient, that's something that, that's a hard one to overcome. I don't know if you know this about us as Americans, but convenience is the number one factor that we're looking for when it comes to our shopping habits. Did you know that? Convenience is where it is at. And I don't know about you, but I pay a lot more than I should, and I receive a lot less quality than I would normally expect just for convenience. And I'm talking specifically about the convenience store that they just built about three years ago that's about a half mile down from my house. Instead of going all the way to the grocery store for a gallon of milk, I can just quickly run to the convenience store and pay twice as much for that gallon of milk and come back home, right? I can go there at night when my kids want to watch a movie on the weekend. We're like, yes, let's have movie night. Let's get some snacks. I just run down to the convenience store, and I pay $12 for three candy bars and three 20-ounce beverages. It's crazy. Like, what's happening right now? I'm going to be in the poorhouse because of convenience, and it's ridiculous. It's not even good. There was a, a spate of about three days in one week this happened about three weeks ago, where I was just, my schedule was tight. Didn't plan enough time for lunch. I'm in between meetings. And there were three days in one week where I stopped. I hate, I'm honestly, I hate saying this because it makes me just feel gross saying it. But I stopped at the same gas station for lunch three times. I got gas station chicken tenders and gas station potato wedges. That was my lunch three days out of one week, all because it was convenient. Paid 12 bucks. It was terrible. I had a stomach ache. It was awful. But it was convenient. Why did I do that? It was a terrible decision. But it was convenient. (laughs) Oh, man, the best things in life aren't always convenient. And when it comes to our relationship with Jesus, I think we have to lean into those moments where Jesus calls us to deny ourselves, to take up the cross. That's that's painful. That's me doing something that I really don't want to do. He calls us to be willing to do that daily, every single day. And he challenges us to follow him. And I want to challenge you today with this reality that fasting, it helps me focus on Jesus. It is not common. It is not comfortable. It is not convenient by any stretch of the imagination. But that's the whole point. Because when I'm giving something up, I'm creating space in my day to just focus on Jesus and to draw close to him. That is the purpose, that is the point of fasting. I am focusing on Jesus. And here's a spoiler alert. This week, 
I'm going to challenge everyone that's part of our Crossroads family, whether you're here in Goshen, whether you're joining in Mishawaka or St. Pete or online or out at Drive-In Church, wherever you are today. This week, I'm just going to say it from midday on Wednesday to midday on Thursday, I'm going to challenge everyone who's willing, everyone who's able, to just commit to fasting for 24 hours. Why? To seek the face of God. To ask for his direction, for his guidance, for his wisdom. To clear out anything in your life that might be a barrier between you and your relationship with him. To put yourself in the best position possible for him to work in your life. Fasting is that, that final step in our prayer lives that draws us closer to Jesus. It's not common. It is not comfortable. It is not convenient. And yet, it clears everything out of the way and allows me specific time to focus on the voice of God in my life. This is next level stuff. But here's the thing about fasting, and this is important. It is 100% about seeking the face of God. It's not about me. It's not about, oh, look what I'm doing. This is amazing. I'm fasting now. No, 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 no. It's about seeking the face of Jesus. And honestly, Jesus had something to say about this in Matthew chapter 6. Catch what he says here. He says, and when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do, for they try to look miserable and disheveled, so people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that is the only reward they will ever get. I love this. I feel like in the age of social media, this is really relevant. What this means is that if you decide that I'm going to fast this week, this means that you don't go on Facebook Live and be like, oh, I'm in hour two of my fasting, and oh, oh, the humanity. My stomach has rumbled a couple times. Oh, I'll get back with you in 30 minutes. That's not what it's about, right? Like, what happened to you today? You look awful. I'm fasting. Like, that, that's not what it's about, right? This is what Jesus says. He says, no, but when you fast, comb your hair and wash your face. I would recommend you do that every day anyway. I'm just going to throw that out there. <laughs> Brush your teeth. Do that kind of thing. Then no one will notice that you are fasting except your father who knows what you do in private. And your father who sees everything will reward you. Boy, that is stunning. That is really a powerful concept that comes from Jesus himself. He's saying, listen, this is important. When you fast, and this is the words of Jesus now, Jesus himself fasted and prayed on a regular basis. Jesus says, when you do this, don't do this for you know, any attention. No, you do this to draw close to God. And when you do this, your Father in heaven will see that. He will notice what you're doing. He will hear your voice. He will reward you. And that's powerful. This is that cherry on the top of your prayer life. This, this is the highest level. It's prayer and fasting. I'm clearing everything out. I am giving up things that I need so that I can focus on Jesus. And so as you consider that, I would just ask you to consider these three things about fasting that, that change everything. Fasting, number one, prepares my heart for God's direction. You're asking for guidance, for wisdom, for God's direction and favor in your life. Why don't you commit to prayer and fasting? Seek his face. Last week we talked about Daniel. We actually read this verse last week, Daniel 9, 3, where Daniel says, So I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer 
and fasting. This was Daniel's response to realizing that there was a prophecy that had been given to Jeremiah that the city of Jerusalem would be in desolation and under siege for 70 years. Daniel realizes there is tragedy ahead. There is destruction. This is not good. And what does he do? He immediately begins praying and fasting, seeking the face of God so he can get that direction, that guidance, and that wisdom that he needs. That principle is true for every one of us today. I would contend with you today, if you're dealing with something difficult in life, a difficult situation, you're trying to figure out what is the direction, the wisdom, the guidance that you need from God. Man, clear the mechanism. Commit to prayer and fasting and seek the face of God. That gets your attention, it gets God's attention. He rewards that. Seek his face. Prayer and fasting. Fasting reveals God's truth for my soul. Boy, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his soul? That's a great question because it was Jesus who asked it. Okay, that's, that's why that's such a great question. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his soul? When I fast and pray, it puts me in position to hear God's truth for my soul. I love what it says in Joel chapter 2. Joel is a, a short book in the Old Testament, one of the minor prophets, but a powerful call that Joel gives to the people of Israel to repent, to seek the face of God to listen to his voice. And in that spirit, he says in Joel 2, 15 and 16, he says, blow the trumpet in Zion, declare a holy fast, call a sacred assembly, gather the people. Because God needs to speak to us. We need to turn to him. There are things in our life that we need to repent of and, and get rid of. It's getting rid of anything that's a barrier in my life between me and Jesus. Fasting, it focuses me on Jesus, on who he is and who he's calling me to be, and it reveals his truth for my soul because God will tell you, that Holy Spirit will convict you. You'll know immediately what it is that you need to surrender. Prayer and fasting, that's a powerful combination for your relationship with Jesus. And finally, you realize that fasting puts me in position for God to work in my life. Again, to become who it is that he's calling me to be. I love this verse in Acts 13 too because of the context. It just says, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. This is really, really significant because this is the moment in Acts 13 where Saul, who became Paul, is actually called in the ministry and God reveals his plan to him. Paul, who would go on to write half of the New Testament and go on four missionary journeys, spreading the good news of Jesus everywhere he could, that all began in this moment in Acts 13 too. And it wasn't the result of some strategy session or program. It was the result of him worshiping God, praying and fasting, seeking his face. And it says the Holy Spirit spoke to them and said, set aside Barnabas and Saul for this mission that I have for them. Fasting, it puts me in position for God to work in my life. Listen, fasting, it's not common. It's not comfortable. It's not convenient. And yet prayer and fasting, boy, it seeks the face of God and it changes everything. It allows me to understand and, and hear God's direction from my life. It reveals God's truth for my soul. It puts me in position for God to work in me and through me. And so I want to challenge you today to hunger and thirst 
for righteousness. And in those words of Jesus to realize in Matthew 5, 6 that blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, with that promise, they will be filled. That's what I want for each and every one of us. To be so focused on who God is and what he wants for us to become that we hunger and thirst for his righteousness. The deepest desire of my heart is to become like Jesus, to become who it is that he's called me to be, so much so that we're willing to focus our time from time to time in spiritual discipline to prayer and to fasting so we can seek his face, his direction, and his guidance in our lives. If I'm being honest, throughout this whole process, throughout our 21-day prayer challenge, I've been praying for one word. The word that God put on my heart at the very beginning of all this was just revival. It's just revival. Us as a church family just getting excited about Jesus and being drawn to who he is and who he's calling us to be. Because if we experience revival, if we get laser-focused on our relationship with Jesus and the mission that he's given us to connect people with him, you guys, what God could do in us and through us right here at Crossroads in this community would change everything. And one of the best ways that we can experience that kind of revival in our lives to truly live is to seek his face is to hunger and thirst after his righteousness. And so I do, I want to challenge you to join me as a church family. Let's take midday on Wednesday through midday on Thursday. If, if your health allows it, let's commit to fasting, to seeking the face of Jesus. Pray for his direction and guidance in your life. Pray for him to reveal his truth to your soul. Pray for him to put you in the best position possible for him to work in your life. And on top of that, pray for him to open your eyes to see who it is that's in your life that is desperate to connect with him. Because we are his hands and feet. And when we are focused on Jesus, our light shines just a little bit brighter people see what he's doing and they are drawn to him so don't miss out on the opportunities that God's calling you to seek his face experience that revival and together let's take this next step in our prayer lives and let's draw close to Jesus wherever you are today if you're in this room if you're watching online at one of our campuses would you bow your head and close your eyes right now with me I want to ask you this final question what is it that you are hungry for Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for the things of God, to become more like Jesus. If that is the desire of your heart, that desire will be filled. I challenge you, take this next step in your prayer lives this week. Draw close to God and he will draw close to you. Jesus, I thank you today for who you are, for the incredible love that you have for us. You are good, and there is no one like you. I just thank you today that you are with us, you are here, and we can put our trust in your promises for our lives. God, I ask that you would help us to just take a giant step towards you as we put these principles into practice in our prayer lives. 
specifically talking about fasting. God, I just ask that you would help us all to make this commitment this week. Just take 24 hours and focus on you. And God, I pray in advance that you would work in our hearts, that you would reveal yourself in ways that we've never seen or even imagined before. And that because of this commitment to draw close to you, God, that you would just spark a revival in our hearts, in our church, in our community, that lives would be changed forever because of this spiritual discipline being put into practice in our church family. So God, work in us, work through us, help us to become more like you. We love you and we praise you. We pray this in your name. Amen.